Hello. We start again. We had a problem with sound. I, I started to uh, share this morning without the microphone on, so I want to start it again. The scripture this morning comes on from Matthew chapter 4, verse 13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Heavenly Father, bless the teaching this morning in Jesus' name. Help us to get this through in the next minutes in Jesus' name. When you think of the disciples being a part of a powerful miracle, the miracle here is the revelation of God to the disciples. Because the miracle was overwhelming. And so the, 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 the believers and the disciples were overwhelmed. The word says, and they took knowledge of them. And they recognized them being simple men. And yet they had a aura of the presence of God. So when we deal with prophetic prayer, that's the topic. When we deal with prophetic prayer, the first thing that we need to be aware of it is that the gift of prophecy means not that you are a prophet, but you're prophesying. It is a vocal gift of the Holy Spirit. So where do you find it? Very simply, you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and as you study the verses 8, 9, and 10, and 11, you will see that there is a word that says prophecy. Now prophecy, that means prophesying. What do you mean by that? When you go into 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter, chapter 3, okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and you, you look at that verse of Scripture, it says, prophesying 1 Corinthians, it's edifying, building, and comforting. It, it encourages. It helps you to be able to edify and to build and to comfort. Now, and so... Before you prophesy, before you pray for someone, you're looking for a revelation. Is that difficult? Well, I started early in my ministry hearing God at the altar. Now, I remember being in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and there were three men on the altar. And I didn't know how to pray for them. But as they squeezed their hands, I saw the blood coming through their hands. I prayed with them and I ministered to them. And I heard something. They're going to the cemetery to talk to their wives, and that displeases the Holy Spirit. I told them, and they thought I had witchcraft in me, and they asked me to leave. But it was right. They were spending hours on end talking to the, to the dead. You can't talk to the dead. It's against the work of the Holy Spirit. So, so here you are, a revelation. You've got to have a revelation. It comes in all kinds of ways. Okay, and I want to just spend time with you in how to reveal, how to see that, and how to understand that. For instance, revelation comes from the Lord. Revelation in, in terms of, of, of prophesying comes from the Lord. It comes to a discerning of spirits, good or bad. It comes to a word of knowledge, past and present. It comes to uh, a word of wisdom, future. It comes through 
a, a, a child on the floor. Uh, it comes through uh, uh, being receiving by looking at the person. You know, I, I look at someone in Peru, and I had no idea what to pray. And so I'm waiting for God to reveal to me, okay? And I, and, and, and I saw a little, a little mark over here on the ear behind here. And, uh, and so I looked at uh, the rings, and she had a lot of things in her neck. But first, I, sh I saw this. Second, I saw uh, the things hanging on her neck, and I asked her to take it out. And there were a lot of things that I had to re remove from her before I prayed. And so her faith was in the occult. Her faith was in all kinds of saints. Her faith was on, on some type of witchcraft. And I couldn't pray for her until she removed all of that and put it in a packet and took it away. I don't know how you're going to have a revelation, but the response is an action that generates an action. When you hear from the Lord, you know how to pray. For the Lord, a miracle, a powerful word, a vision, a sign, a, a, a revelation of some kind. So, remember Moses in the desert after leaving Egypt, killing that soldier, he was taking care of the sheep, and he saw a burning bush. And the burning bush brought him closer. Remember, God said, take your shoes off out of this place, for the place where you're standing is holy. And so the burning bush and the voice of the angel from inside spoke to him. But the burning bush is a revelation. Remember Genesis chapter 26. Isaac went into Abimelech of the Philistines in Gerar to talk to him. The Lord appeared to him and said, uh, Go not down to Egypt. Don't, don't go, don't, don't do, not, do not go to Egypt. In other words, Isaac had to remain where he was. He was looking for a place in order to call home. And so, Matthew 2. Let's go to the book of Matthew. And I'll tell you a little bit about uh, verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child Jesus and his mother to, and flee unto Egypt and stay there until I bring a word, for Herod will sick the young child to destroy him. Now, here's Joseph, don't know what to do. You know, he, he's carrying a mother and a baby. He had nothing to do with it. He's confused. And so the word came very clear. Take the mother, take the, take the baby Jesus, and head to Egypt for Aaron wants to kill you. Now, it's a, it's a powerful, it's an angel of the Lord. It's a revelation. It's a hard not to, not to respond. What I'm saying to you that prayer and revelation go together. Amen? Prayer and revelation go together. Prayer and revelation goes together. That's what I'm trying to tell you now. And so... Matthew 2.13. Let me go, let me move a little further. I hope you're getting this. Matthew 2.19. Okay. And when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to, to Joseph in Egypt. When Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to, 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 in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Now here again, another revelation. He's in Egypt holding Mary and holding the baby Jesus. And an angel appears saying, Herod died. Go back. You see that, that, you see that, you probably say, but 
this, this can happen to me. Can an angel appear to me? An angel appeared to thousands and millions of people every day. Daniel 17 says, In the presence of God are myriads upon myriads of angels. And so, uh, Matthew 3.13. Let me go to that a minute. Matthew. Then, uh, listen to this. Matthew 3.13. Then came Jesus from Galilee to the Jordan. He came to Galilee, come back, went to the Jordan. Unto John to be baptized by him. For John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and you are coming unto me. Now, why did Jesus move from Galilee, from Jordan, uh, from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by him? Because the Spirit led. It was already in his mind, in his heart, that that had to be done. Jesus came to be so. So, it, it was necessary. Remember that Elizabeth went to see Mary, and Mary touched Elizabeth, and John the Baptist, little baby John the Baptist, moved in the womb of Elizabeth. And so Jesus and John the Baptist were, 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 were people drawn by the Spirit. And at the age of 30, here is John the Baptist there, baptizing thousands into repentance. And Jesus had to move into the Jordan to be baptized by John the Baptist, but with the Holy Spirit. So you see Revelation all through Scripture. Okay? So I want to share how, how do you come in terms of understanding then this type of revelation. Give me some rules of prophesying. And so today I'm going to give you some rules on how, how, how does this movement of the Holy Spirit work. Remember, as you are at the altar, you, you, you never kneel. And if there's a woman in front of you, you, kneel, you, you crouch down to pray for her. But never kneel until you know what you're praying for. Make sure that you don't touch anything. Don't touch the person. Don't touch the man. Don't touch the child. Don't touch anybody's hand. Just remain untouched and, and crawl down and hold yourself on the rail and say, God, I'm about to pray for this woman of God, this man of God. I ask you, Lord Jesus, to give me strength, and I want to hear from you, Lord. Okay? And then you stand up and work your knees up and go back there again, and, uh, uh, and suddenly you feel uncomfortable. You don't know what it is. Okay? You hear the word blood. Blood. And you know that there's something to do with this person in front of you. And you begin to apply the prayer to the person in need. So once revelation takes place, wait for a second movement. Once revelation takes place, wait for a second movement. Now remember, what I'm saying to you, it's not something I took from a notebook. Now, I read a book in order to teach you this morning. I, I've been, I'm 50 years doing this. And I just came back from Peru and I did it all, all the whole 12 days I pray for people. Okay? And so what I'm saying to you is that as you hear from the Lord about something, wait a little bit for a second movement. 
Why? So there's confirmation of the Holy Spirit that what you're about to do is confirmed. And the Holy Spirit will confirm. The Holy Spirit will confirm. And so for just a moment, just pause down. I saw something in her ear. I saw a lot of things hanging on her neck, covered. She put inside. I asked her to take it out. And when she took it out, you know, all kinds of bad stuff hanging on her neck. But I had to wait a little bit. Don't be in a hurry so much. Because, you see, you're learning how to pray for, with accuracy. You're learning how to prophesy. You're learning how to speak in the name of the Holy Spirit. Any fine building and comfort. Okay? And... uh I told you, I shared with you First uh, Corinthians 14.3, and I shared with you this word in your heart, and I want to read it again. First Corinthians 14.3, okay, it says, But he who prophesies speaks unto men for three things, for edification, exhortation, and comfort or consolation. Barnabas was the son of consolation. So he moved in the Spirit of God in that gift. Remember that prophesying is a gift. And it has to be treated as a gift of the Holy Spirit and not some, some type of you can just keep on talking and say anything you want. Hope you're listening to me. Because people like you and I that are called to pray for people in the altar of a church, of a ministry, need to be sensitive to the presence of God and not move ahead of the presence of God. I don't know how many times I have to tell you this. Without the presence of God, you're on your own. And you simply are not really being used of the Lord. So here, here, here's, uh, here's uh, the first thing. Once revelation takes place, Wait for a second movement. And you hear it. You see it. Okay, number two. Slow down your mind so that you can hear the Lord. Time may be required. What do you mean by slow down your mind? See, you've got about a hundred people in front of you. Like we went up into a, a, a northern area of Brazil. Uh, took a, a bus down there. It, it it, it took about uh, five hours bus ride into this large mega church. And by the time these 15, 17 people were at the altar, we're facing uh, over 1,000 people, 1,500 people. And so you want to pray for everybody. You want to lay hands on everybody. And that's where the mistake comes. You've got to come back to peace. Saddle down your mind in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come near the presence of God. Ask Him to forgive your sins for the first thing. Ask Him to clear your mind as you're about to pray for others. Ask Him to give you peace. So slow down your mind. God didn't tell you to pray for everybody on that trip. On that, by the way, you pray for everybody. I, 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 by the way, that night, in that church, a, a, a blind man was healed. A blind man was healed. Dr. Cameron was praying for this man. 
which is one of the doctors that went with us with us in Brazil and, and her, his, his wife, Michelle. And a man that was blind from both eyes began to see, and there was an overwhelming explosion in the crowd. Now, I'm up, up to here, and the miracle took place way down there, and anybody around that man was on the floor. What I'm saying to you is that slow down your mind. Don't be so in a hurry and so uh, responsible for the. Follow the Holy Spirit. Don't follow how you feel. Now, third, observe the events around you. It's very important. Because, you see, Jesus was coming down and Jairus came to him and said to him, the synagogue leader in Capernaum said to him, uh, uh, I have a little daughter who is severely ill and dying or already died. Would you come to help her? And as Jesus was going, the crowd just thronged around him, moved and blocked the way, and he heard, he saw someone touch the hem of his garment. There was a woman with a flow of blood for 12 years. You see, you've got to be aware of what is happening in the altar before you want to begin to pray. I usually, as they come, I'll tell the pastors of the church to go pray for them. And they come inside of the rail, and they begin to pray. And it give me a little time to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for this morning, God. Thank you for this time that we have with you, Lord. Oh, Lord Jesus, bless this church, God. Do the mighty thing that you promised you would, Lord, in Jesus' name. Now, when I say that, it give me a little time. And I observed the altar. Now, my first look at the altar, I didn't see anything. But after I prayed, there was up way down there a man with his head bowed down between his hands, and he is, and he is in horrible pain. And as I went in and I held his hand, I felt that hard grip. A grip of, uh, of pain and anxiety and turmoil. And I prayed with him. He said, I lost my wife last week. I'm alone. I couldn't pray with him with accuracy as much as I could pray now. Since my wife has passed about a year and a half ago. But uh, during that time, I felt his pain. I felt his agony. I felt his, his heart. I felt his, his hurt. And I simply prayed. And I asked the Lord to have mercy upon that man. And so, observe the events around the altar. Now, let me tell you something else. I remember one time I was at the altar and I'm observing the second time looking around. And I looked way in the congregation, way on the corner. And there was a man kneeling facing the wall. I don't know why he wasn't here. But I left the altar, went up there, and I prayed for that man way in the back. I'll never forget what happened, and I can't tell you, I don't have the time. But the Lord did a marvelous thing for him. Read Matthew 4, 12. I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew 4, 12. Go to Matthew 
4.12. Here you go. Matthew chapter 4, verses 12. Now when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison. When Jesus had... Why would Jesus have to hear that John was put into prison? Because the ministry of John was over. It was transmitted to him. And as he was decapitated in prison, he knew, now is my turn. I have to take over. And he headed on to Galilee. He departed into Galilee, leaving Nazareth. He came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the sea coast in the border of Zebulun and Naphtali, meaning, meaning that the move in the heart of Jesus waited for events, waited for revelation, waited for the Holy Spirit to speak to me, go left, go right, go north, go south. Why should you in the presence of the congregation just be praying one prayer after the other as if somehow you have no agenda? Number four, in the time capsule of God, there are more movements that you do not see. Try to rest your mind. Know that in God's mind, there are more movements than inside of a hurricane. In the time capsule of God, there are more movements that you do not see. Try to rest your mind. Know that in God's mind, there's more movement than inside of a hurricane. And you know, Ida is upon us coming down North Georgia, but going through Cuba today. I want to tell you that you need to hear that in the mind of God, there's a lot of activity. And the activity is so overwhelming, so powerful, so supernatural, that He knows you are at that location. He knows you are up there in this town. He knows you are about to pray for people. He knows you are trying to hear. Daniel 7.10 says that upon the presence of God are a hundred million angels... And one angel has got to be with that group out there in Peru. I knew it. Let me give you, before I finish, I have seven minutes, an example. The Lord spoke to me through Cindy and her experience going to Peru preparing for our mission trip that we should have gone to Timbote. Chimbote is a town on the Pacific area at the coast. It's a very poor town. The cemetery is the busiest place in the whole town. There are thousands of people burying dead people all the time. Infection is everywhere. The elderly has not a chance to, to survive. And as I pass by on this very on this bus going to the churches. The Lord spoke to me that He brought me to Chimbote to wait upon confirmation. So one of the churches we went that week was a place called Pueblo Libre. 
And Pablo Libri had an interesting problem. Elderly everywhere, children everywhere, young people everywhere. But a major problem. About, I'd say, five feet below sea level. And so three times a year the water comes in under the ground and, and there's about five inches of water running all over the church. You have to cancel services. Everybody can't come in the church because the water is running. All the equipment has to be lifted up. It's a church built by Americans, but they didn't plan this properly. And so I went there and I was preaching. And as I looked to the floor, it was a dirty, dirty, filthy floor that ruined my shoes. This, this mud everywhere. And I saw a little boy sitting down on the mud laying down with his head on the mud. And it convicted my heart. I called the pastor to come to the hotel, told him, God bless you, I don't know how, I just want to tell you I'm convicted to help you, and uh, you need money, I understand. And uh, so I have a, I'm a member of a small church in, in Athens, Georgia. And they took an offering on Sunday, and it looks to me like... Uh, it was exactly the money that that church needed. Thousands of dollars that will now put a floor on that church and bless that church. How did it happen? I heard the Lord. I had a revelation. I heard it took time. It all came together. So prophesying, it is a movement of God in the time of God, in the motion of God, in the time of God, in the heart of God, in the hands of God, in the feet of God that develops and lets you know that that's what it is. In other words, power sometimes is slow to flow. It doesn't run as fast as you want to. So, now that I've said a little bit about uh, prophesying, there are three realms of activity. And you need to decide which one is the strongest in your life. The heavenly, the earthly, and the human mind. The heavenly, it is the fastest place in the face of the earth. If you read Ezekiel 10, 4, as the glory of God comes out of the earth, the cherubs moved and the glory of God stood above the cherubs. God could not hold His glory on the, on the threshold of that temple. Had to be over the cherubs because the place was polluted. The place was... was, uh, was, was uh, dirty, the place was not dealt with properly, cleaned up. That is why the glory left the temple. They abandoned the temple in Jerusalem. And so the glory began to leave. But in heaven, the glory moves. The cherubs, not without feet, move at fast speed, left and right, around the altar. The cherubs are three powerful angels in the presence of God. That handles the heavenly. In other words, God is on the throne, my friends. And he, is, he's a, he, he rules above the circle of the earth. And He is ruling and reigning at this very moment. There are many thousands of people in Cuba that I'm praying for now that God will spare them from this hurricane. The second is the earthly. Now, the earthly... It's where flesh breeds. Spiritual beings have expressions. 
angels of God, demons of Hades. The earth is a very, 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 very dry place. There's no hope. There's no life. You depend on your psychological emotions. Let me tell you. The third is the human mind. <coughs> Where thoughts are expressed, most of the subconscious, and you live by your intellect. What makes the difference on these three to be in the heavenlies? The Holy Spirit. So when you come to the altar to pray for people and lay hands on them, remember, remember that as you pray, you touch this finger first. Okay, you touch with this finger. And you take authority. And after you have taken authority, you lay hands gently, command and take authority and introduce and transmit the presence of God and confirm the presence of God and speak out your revelation. Speak out what God is telling you. Speak out what God gave you overnight. Speak out what the people need to hear. And as you begin to move in that way, you're going to be abundantly blessed. I want you to know that this is a new beginning for RBM. Doing all this work is a young man, brother of mine, called Andy Hines. He's sitting right here on my left. He'll be teaching here several times a month. And I want to thank you. If you enjoy this message, if you learn something for this message, send an email to rbm at latterain.com. rbm at latte rain together. Latte rain, like latte coffee and rain together. Latte rain. And tell us how... Are you being blessed by it? We need to hear from you. We need to hear that you are in California, that you are anywhere uh, in the United States, any, any state, any, any area, any country in the world, you can contact us. I would appreciate the contact from you, letting know what you heard today. The Lord bless you. Amen. We'll be streaming live soon.